Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show, we have Eleanor Dorfman, Head of Customer Expansion at Segment. We talked about Eleanor's unique background and how she transitioned from a career in law to education and finally settling in the tech startup world. Eleanor also gave us insights into how Segment planned the current onboarding process and how adding friction to it led to higher retention. She also shared the most surprising thing they found that caused customer churn, why customer retention is a team sport, and how customer success starts at the beginning of the sales process and not after a sale has been made. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode. And if you have any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and enjoy this episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. Not just gun for revenue in the door. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hi, Eleanor. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, your current employer segment. Uh, it's, I think it's one of the, the, the biggest tools, and we'll touch on it in a second, but it's essential like, to any sort of data project. Uh, I think uh, a company can take on. But just to for the audience to understand who we're speaking today, so Eleanor is currently the head of commercial expansion at Segment. And Segment is a customer data infrastructure platform that allows you to collect, clean, and control your customer data. It also allows you to integrate with all your favorite tools. So you can collect data and then send it out to all your favorite tools to make sure that you have uh, consistent, uh, clean data throughout your tools and a consistent way in which you do reporting across the different uh, tools that you use. So she, prior to that, though, her, uh, her, prior to her current role, she started out as a career in a law firm, then moved into education at the NYC Department of Education, uh, where she was a project manager. Uh, and then from there, she moved into a role into SaaS as a customer success as she joined Clever Inc. Uh, before becoming the head of customer success and a solution gen- engineer and joining Segment as head of customer success and operations. So... I think you've had a very interesting career progression, starting out at a law firm, then moving to education, then into sort of the software world. Like, what was it that drew you into customer success to begin with at Clever Inc.? Yeah, so when I was at the New York City Department of Education, my my last role there was managing a middle school literacy initiative where uh, my team worked with underserved middle schools to use software to help improve literacy outcomes for kids enough for students in New York City. And while working into a lot of data integration issues, and we had a hard time connecting the source systems to all of the tools we were trying to use and to keep the data up to date. And while researching a solution to that problem, I actually found 
a small startup in San Francisco called Clever that was trying to solve that exact data integration problem for schools. And I was incredibly impressed with their focus and determination to solve a problem I had a lot of experience with. And so moved out to, to join the team as their first customer success manager. I have worked really closely with managing our relationship with principals when I was in New York. And so it was the most transferable uh, set of skills for me. And when I got to Clever, it turns out I fell in love with working on infrastructure problems and working on problems that changed the way schools operated and companies operated. And I loved the customer success side of it because I liked the relationship building. I liked the problem solving. I liked the impact our team had on the company itself and as well as our customers and moved over to Segment because Segment is similarly solving infrastructure problems and changing the way companies operate. And those problems remain completely compelling to me. Yeah, because I think if you look at it at the surface level, just sort of the different roles that you've had in your career, like there's not like a super obvious connection just nope. without knowing what the companies do. Uh, but then when you see the underlying sort of challenges and problems that you've been solving throughout your career, like it's just so blatantly obvious, like how it was a good progression from one to the next. Um, it's always been infrastructure and it's always been working on problems that change the way cities operate, schools operate, or companies operate. That That is what really keeps me engaged and excited at work every day. Yeah, it's very interesting as well. Like I similarly, uh, about six, seven years ago, I had a startup where we were building software and uh, we actually started to look into the public sector when it came to education and just found that like it was going to be a very, very uphill battle to try and get anything into the public sector at that stage. Yeah. When, and that was due to the infrastructure not being in place, not being able to handle it and uh, all being sort of decentralized uh, uh, problem. So Very much, very much. That was, I, Clever, and the problem Clever is tackling is, is one of the more, one of the more challenging ones that exists. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, maybe talk us through a little bit about your current role now, because I know just talking previously, you started out as uh, in customer success uh, as head of customer experience and operations. And now you're in head of commercial expansion, which is like switching from the success to the sale uh, side of things at segment. Like why make the transition from success to sales? Like what was the motivation behind it? And Yeah. So a couple of months ago, I was working on a project to restructure our, our sales organization. Historically, our sales team focused on bringing in new customers as well as renewing and uh, growing our existing customer base. And we have a product that is very much designed for land and expand in the way a lot of B2B SaaS subscription models are. And we weren't focusing that heavily on the existing customer base, but we were releasing new products and we were finding new ways to, to grow the existing customer base. And we decided to split that out and to separate out the sales teams and focus is one of our values. And that was really one of the motivators there is part of the sales team would focus on just net new customers. And then we would build out a new sales team that would focus on retention as well as growing the existing customer base. And we did that so that we could increase the specialization so that we could put more people who were focused and who were experts and who were specialists on working with our existing customer base and ensuring that partnering with customer success to really grow those customers and ensure that they had adopted seven and were successful with. And my experience has been purely on the customer success side 
and on the product adoption and product and growth side. And to me, it seemed like a really interesting and natural next step to expand my experience on the sales side as well and to tackle the problems I love. How do we change the way businesses operate? How do we change the way they use products from a new lens and on the sales side? And it felt like a great new challenge for me to tackle in my career. It makes a lot of sense as well. I think like they, even though they're both sales, when it comes to like bringing on new customers or expanding existing customers, the challenges and the focus and the interest of the customers are, are completely different. Like a new sales yeah. team coming in, there's different challenges you need to uh, meet and different uh, criteria customers are looking for. But when someone's already in the door, the lead's a lot warmer. So you've already eliminated like a lot of the groundwork and really like it's focusing on how you can deliver value so you can expand that account. I like that you have that clear focus. I do too. And it's been, and for me, I have been on the customer side. I think about things from the customer side. And as we were building out this team, the thinking was that we wanted that DNA at the core of the team. Someone who had been on the customer success side, who knew how not only the customer success world operated, but who thought about things from a customer first mentality. And so what we sacrificed with me <laughs> was uh, someone with maybe the depth of sales experience, but I, I thought it was actually pretty cool of segment to say we want to bring in that customer-centric side as we build out the sales team. Very nice, yeah. Uh, and it probably makes more sense as well that at this stage that it's more of that balance. It's not sort of the hard sales uh, that you might get up front, but really like now you've already developed a relationship with customer you your job is not only to make them successful but then also to try and expand that account exactly and we partner very closely with the customer success side so accounts will have a csm as well as a relationship manager for my team and so it is very much this account team approach where we have different where we're swimming in the same direction we have similar goals uh, but we have a different approach in a different uh, way that we partner and make the customer successful and grow very nice. And you, you said as well that like the team is responsible in, for retention side of things. Like, maybe you want to talk us through that a bit. Like, uh, how do you see? How does the team seen as responsible retention? Like, how do you go about trying to increase that? Yeah. So the customer success managers, their primary focus is retention and product adoption, and then my team's focus is retention and uh, expansion. And so we partner very, very deeply with the CSMs on the retention front. And when you think about the customer life cycle, if you think about it, even at its most rudimentary level for us, which is onboarding, adoption, and growth, onboarding our solutions architects are the leads helping customers design and implement their segment instrumentation. Adoption, the CSM is the lead with support from my team, the relationship manager, focusing on use case adoption, understanding who are the teams, how do they use segment, how can we make sure that all of their key use cases are part of their segment implementation. And then that third stage of growth is where my team takes the lead and focuses on, okay, what were we able to achieve this year? What are your goals for next year? How can segment help power those? And how can we make sure that every team that could benefit from segment is benefiting from it with the support of the CSM? And so at the end of the day, our goals are that every customer renews and that we are driving those renewals, those commercial conversations. And then that we also have an expansion target where we're also focused on ensuring that every customer that would benefit from a new product or does has experienced some organic growth uh, is, is using segment to power that. So we're very focused on both. 
Yeah, I, I think it's a very fascinating process because I actually have recently been through this whole process with Segment uh, from the sales cycle to the onboarding and now uh, we're starting to have discussions around expansion and growth because we've seen that at Hotjar. And I, I found the, actually the onboarding process to be one of the best onboarding processes like I've had with any software ever. Um, can I write that down and tell our team? <laughs> yeah, you can, you can tell them. Uh, and I think it's like a lot of it was to do as well with the tracking plan and sort of the the process like th that we went through with the team. So it was very structured in the sense that we had a central document we were all working from. We had clear milestones of what we were trying to achieve. Um, we started out with what the business goals were with the CS team. So uh, it was very, very clear when we came to our CS calls and uh, chats with segment that uh, we had somebody on our side that was there to support. And even still to this day, like uh, from a support perspective, like from a customer success side of things, like the team has just been super helpful when we're looking at new integrations, a way to try um, and improve uh, the product adoption within the organization. So um, and obviously you've been involved in part of that uh, from both sides now and on the sales side. So just really interesting to see like, how, as an organization, have you thought about this whole process from beginning to end? Is, it, is there somebody who's sitting and looking at this whole full user journey? Or is it sort of, okay, it started out as onboarding, we started organically splitting out our different teams? Or has this sort of been the plan from the beginning and it's just making sure that you had the right time, uh, timing over to split out the teams? No, it has been an evolution. <laughs> I would like to think it's been a master plan, uh, but it hasn't, I think. Uh, anyone who's in, uh, who's been in a hyper growth company knows that you start out with the best of intentions and then you're just keeping your head above water. Um, and I think, but what Segment's mission as a company is to basically enable other companies to be customer obsessed and we very much practice what we preach. And so what I love is customer success has always been very, very central to how Segment operates and has been a very core part of the, of the business and so I think we had a customer success team fairly early and brought in a senior leader of customer success fairly early. And it started out as just CSMs who handled everything. And then when he came in two or three years ago, realized that we actually did have, you know, we're a product that should be very sticky. We're infrastructure. We're, we're the pipes that companies run on top of to use their data yeah. and that we actually had a fairly significant churn problem. And he realized his first insight was that a lot of it was just no one ever got implemented and that it's actually fairly technically complex product that needs to be implemented well to be valuable. And his first major initiative was to build out that solutions architecture team and to really try to nail onboarding and to make that a key part of the customer journey. And again, focus being one of our values very much started there. And I think he had a vision for where the customer journey was going but wanted to start with just nailing that first phase. And so that team came to exist about two years ago and has really, once that team, when we designed, how do we think about the tracking plans? How do we think about the milestones? Then structured the CSM org around that. And then that became a fairly clear journey. If you start with onboarding, you start with understanding their goals. You focus on the technical implementation. You have a central document you're working from. You have a shared set of milestones. And then that's where this essay comes in. And then it's handed back to the customer success manager to focus on the adoption front. And then that was really where the focus was for the team on building that out over the last two years. And then once we started 
to make progress there and see successes there, that's when we move to the next phase. So we started with onboarding, then we're thinking about adoption. And then with my team's creation, that's really when we started truly, and that's three months ago. So we've really just started at the beginning of that journey of really thinking about retention from a commercial standpoint and expansion from a commercial standpoint. Very nice. Yeah. What's one thing uh, that you say that you know today or a process that you have today that you'd wish you had started earlier? Oh, everyone having a tracking. <laughs> I think it's, it's so interesting because the, one of the biggest reasons for turning the beginning was uh, just never getting off the ground. And the hypothesis initially, I believe, was that it was just not having a technical resource on our end to help. But what we actually have learned is that it's twofold. It's that the technical resource on our end is hugely valuable because they're just thinking about, they're able to support the technical team. They're deeply technical. They understand segment inside and out. And then, but the other is that a lot of companies also wanted guidance on what to track and that ensuring that there was intentionality from the customers on, a lot of them were just sort of getting started on this customer data journey and helping support that intentionality of what should you track? Why should you track it? What should you do with the data? is just as important as how you do it and the way you implement it and the what of the code, like the why was just as important. And I think when we made a shift toward making those roles, you said the team sat down to talk about started with your objectives and then grounded the technical decisions in that. I think that was a huge insight. And I think that, you know, had we had that from the beginning, but sometimes you can only learn by doing (laughs) and by making mistakes. And so, but I, that insight, is one that I do wish we'd had from the beginning, but I think is one that has been a powerful shift in our how we operate and has been really impactful. Yeah, and in retrospect, it sort of makes a lot of sense. Like new companies getting off the ground, they've got so many other problems they're trying to tackle and like implementing a tracking plan or being able to start measuring customer events and data is, can be quite a daunting task, especially if you don't have the resources or expertise on board or somebody with prior knowledge to do it for you. So. You can see even just like having that support from segment side, giving you guidance in terms of best practices and how you can go about setting up could definitely have a big impact. Yeah. And then when you think about our, and when we're building out customer success, companies get on board and they, they buy segment and they're like, let's get started. Let's get started. We want to start implementing this. Let us put the tracking code in. And we very intentionally now slow it down just a little bit at the beginning to say, okay, let's be sure you know what you're tracking and why you're tracking it and what you're trying to do. And we introduce a little bit of friction up front that has a huge impact on expediting things down the line and ensuring they're set up for success and set up correctly from the beginning because it is so much harder to turn that train around when they've already started implementing than it is up front before they started when we can really get started intentionally and correctly. Yeah, I like that. It's sort of something a little bit counterintuitive, but installing a little bit of friction in the onboarding process to ensure that people get set up correctly. Uh, it's something like I don't think many people would ever consider. Like, how did you get to that insight and sort of say, okay, wait a minute, let's uh, not allow them to install this straight away and let's make sure they know how to do it to begin with? Yeah, and the, and the why to do it. And I think that's the key. Um, a lot of it is when we dug into and we started to do analysis of why we were seeing churn, we realized a few things. One, product underutilization and never getting off the ground was uh, the top reason. Uh, but the second 
was, and this was the more surprising one, is where we'd lost our champion and where we had, like there had been turnover in the company and no one really knew the value segment was providing. And then we didn't have a good answer for the value segment was providing because we'd never had that discussion with them up front. And they were processing a lot of data. They were using segment, but there was this lack of understanding on both sides about the why. And we realized it's because we never did make the effort to do that documentation up front to socialize that within the customer to ensure that we weren't just these pipes behind the scenes, but that everyone understood what we were doing and why we were doing it. And that was actually what led to that insight into realizing we should be able to answer that question. Our customers should be able to answer that question. There should be a shared understanding and a shared commitment to what that is. And we didn't have that. Um, and so we made that part of the process. And it's it, it, ha- it has improved not only like the relationship side, but the tracking is cleaner. <laughs> you know, now there's a, it, it led to like, we have a central tracking plan. We have all these things that have actually had all these downstream implications of improving the actual technical implementation as well. Yeah. And I think that's something we've actually talking, uh, spoken about quite a bit is the uh, internal champion leaving. And I can definitely see it in the case with segment where it, although at a service level, what it does is it takes really complicated topic and it simplifies it completely for an organization. Unless you have somebody within that organization sort of championing it and uh, explaining to people and uh, delivering the value, it's very difficult for people to understand what it does and how it impacts uh, things within an org. So how did you go about then? So one aspect was obviously the tracking plan and making sure that the company was up to speed and you had this document that you could then go back if the champion has to leave. But were there any other things that you do around sort of like the champion management and making sure uh, that you have at least a backup or are you keeping tabs on how things are going with your champions? Yeah. Um, I just, what you said just reminded me my, my last company was is fairly similar to segment in, in some ways in that it's infrastructure and it's connecting sources of data to destinations of data. And there's no visible, you know, it's behind the scenes. And I had a CEO, a customer tell me once when I was trying, I was asking him for help on how we could demonstrate the value we were providing and how we could make that more tangible for customers. (laughs) And he told me that we were his plumbing and his plumbers and he was very comfortable knowing it worked. He didn't need to know how many times his toilet flushed. Got it. We are to define different ways to demonstrate value. Um, but I think that's at the core is actually figuring out how we demonstrate value and make that tangible when we are plumbing behind the scenes. And champions are a huge part of that. So we are just in the beginnings of really figuring that out. How do we track them? What are the personas of a true champion? How many champions do we need? What kind of things can we do for champions, programs can we create for champions. We just launched a customer community called Segment Connect, uh, exactly in that vein of champion building and finding opportunities for champions to speak at events and to, you know, get more involved in Segment and find new ways we can support them and bring them together and build a community around it. Uh, Our user conference apps is a huge part of that as well. Um, and we're, so we're really just in the beginning phases of starting to understand that, but those are the two of the big initiatives we've started. And then from a system side, from our, and really trying to figure out how can we look at our data to understand what's the right number, what are their roles, how can we ensure that we're in touch with them, we're supporting them, that their NPS is high. Um, so we're starting to put that sort of infrastructure in place on our end. 
Nice. Uh, and you say, like, starting to look at your data and uh, what you're sitting on, and I imagine segment as well, uh, you must have a pretty good data set up <laughs> uh, internally yeah. and using your tool effectively. But um, we're getting there. <laughs> we're, yeah. we, the other day, I was like, who's segments champion of segment internally? <laughs> yeah. um, and it, there were 10 different answers. So we're working on it. Um, but I'm a heavy, heavy user of segment uh, internally. I use personas. Um, I do, we do a ton of tracking in our online learning platform, Segment University. Uh, we do a ton of um, product adoption tracking because we know that there are certain product adoption thresholds that increase the likelihood of renewal. So we do a lot of tracking and analysis there. Um, we're getting, I would say there are better users of Segment out there than us, but we're trying to be the best. <laughs> trying to be the best, yeah. And when it comes to the data you're sitting on as well, like, um, have you sort of uncovered any interesting insights when it comes to churn and retention uh, through the data that you collect, maybe from some of the integration tools that you have or uh, the specific event tracking that you do internally? Like, what have been some of the interesting insights you've been able to pull out? Yeah, I know. So the, the tracking we do is, is the same as our customers, really. It's just on our customer journey. Uh, so we're very, it's just the first party data of how companies use segment and how customers use segment. We have jokingly, um, not jokingly, very seriously, we're trying to figure out where are the product adoption metrics, where do you need to be at three months, at six months, at nine months to be a healthy customer. And so we did a pretty deep research project at looking back over the last five years of customers who'd churned and who'd renewed. And we did find that there were very clear product adoption milestones where you needed to be at three, six, and nine months to be successful in terms of how many sources had you you set up how many destinations. There was an interesting time to how many Zendesk tickets you'd submitted because it showed a level of engagement, which was really interesting. And our success engineering team was like, please don't ask people to send in more tickets <laughs> for no reason. Um, yeah. But it was interesting because it was product adoption. It was a combination of product adoption and then engagement. And so it was, yes, you've implemented, but also... Have you logged in to the app at least once a month? Have you submitted, I think it was 10 Zendesk tickets, uh, had a statistically significant impact on your likelihood to renew? Yeah, that's definitely an interesting one as well because uh, often when you think about support tickets, like it's thought of in a negative context, like something's gone wrong. But on the flip side, it really shows that users engage because they like care enough to actually try and fix the problem or they care enough to try and understand more on how they can take advantage. Yes, I'm at, when I go to someone's, um, we have an internal dashboard that we built on top of segment that shows, it's our customer dashboard that just shows everything all the customer facing teams need to know about a customer. And when I see a customer with zero resolved Zendesk tickets, I get nervous. I think it, it means they're a churn risk. Yeah, and on, on that as well, churn risk. So like you said, you built your own internal dashboards on top of segment. Um, when it comes to churn risk, like what are some of the things that you look at and try to understand that you maybe figured out along the way are good indicators? Yeah, we look at the complexity of the data they're tracking and are they using segment. We look at their sources, so where are they pulling in data from? How many tools are they using? We look at, are they, have they set up a warehouse? Are they using segment with their data warehouse? We look at, are they contract utilization, sort of, you know, a core KPI? for customer success teams. We looked at, are people logging in? Are they interacting with the product? 
Uh, are they, have they unsubscribed from email lists? Uh, are they getting on the phone with us? Are they engaging? And so it is, yeah, it really is a combination of product adoption and engagement. Very nice. Uh, and then from like a sales perspective, uh, now that you've moved and sort of focusing on this expansion path and the team's mandate is around retention, what are some of the interesting things that you're doing from a team's perspective? So when we talk about retention, are we talking about net MRR retention or are we looking at like company and logo uh, retention as a team? Yeah, we're looking at the revenue side. Revenue side. And, and what are some of the interesting things like you think you're doing it as a team that you're doing really, really well on that side? Okay. I will be honest. So it's only existed for three months. So I don't think we're doing anything really well yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, but we're, uh, I think one thing area we're focusing on is the partnership model with the CSMs. Okay. Um, I think a lot of these, this team will sort of live or die by this partnership with the customer success org. Uh, so we sit with the CSMs, you know, we make that very much part of the DNA of the team. Uh, we're doing uh, joint account plans with the CSMs for each of the large accounts. So we check in on them, we do presentations of them with the CSMs and my team, with, to their peers where we do best practice sharing, where we poke holes, where we sort of challenge some of the assumptions we've made. Uh, we have just are starting to invest in a new tool we're very buy versus build. Um, so we love tools, um, yeah. but um, we, uh, we just bought a new tool at a company called Vitaly uh, that actually built on our, built their integration on our dev center. So built on top of the segment. Uh, and so they're built on top of segments. So they pull in segment data and you can actually see those trends over time. And so that's a new thing we've just invested in so that the CSMs and the relationship managers can see a roll-up of their portfolio, see where everyone is in terms of product adoption and health, see MPS scores, see we, we have these, this concept of an override risk where we know if you do one particular action, that is a huge churn risk and it overrides everything else. So we've got those override risks built in that send alerts to the team. And we haven't, we're, we're starting to build out more automation around it, but we are very focused on let's try everything manually. Let's do the 10% version. Let's try it. Let's see what works. Let's iterate from there. So we definitely have this very build an MVP, try it out, see if it works, iterate from there approach. Uh, so we are very iterative in how we approach building these solutions. Yeah, but I love as well, like how a company built a product off of your platform and now it's sort of like um, Inception that you're starting to use this company yeah. as well. Yeah, we were, it was cool because they built it really quickly. And so the dev center team was like, look at this cool product. They built it so quickly. Yeah. I went to the website and I was like, look at this cool product. We could really benefit from this. <laughs> yeah, I've actually noticed it being promoted inside the uh, integrations uh, section as well previously. So that's also like an interesting topic you mentioned previously is like the number of integrations a company has with your product. Uh, it's like an indicator of as well of a healthy account. Yeah, um, it, it, yeah, it is. And it's yes and no, cause it, nothing is hard fact, but it is definitely directionally indicative that they're using us more broadly, that we're more embedded, that we're serving multiple teams. When you have us integrated with an email service provider, then the marketing team is getting benefits from segment. If you have us integrated with a data visualization BI tool, then an analytics and product team could be getting value from segment. Like 
what it does is it shows that there are multiple teams who could be a champion and who are benefiting from sediment weather, whether they know it or not. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting as well, like how you can understand sort of different segments and different uh, target audiences, depending on the different integrations they're actually implementing as well. Um, so I want to quickly uh, have a hypothetical scenario now for you. And uh, let's pretend uh, you're going to start a new role in a new company. Uh, the startup's growing quite quickly, but they have a problem with churn and retention. And you get thrown into this, uh, this company now. What are some of the things you would do in the first two to three months to help churn, turn churn and retention around if this has been your number one goal? Yeah, I think... To start, I would want to understand it. I imagine this is most people's answer, um, but I would start by analyzing why they churned, interviewing the customers, interviewing the CSNs, looking at the data. Was it an unavoidable churn? Were the companies going out of business? Were they acquired? Were they, you know, completely unavoidable churn? All the, the reasons where it's completely outside of your control, and I would focus on the avoidable churn. What were the one to two main reasons for churn from interviewing those customers, from interviewing internally, from looking at the data? And then I would tackle them one by one <laughs> and start with the biggest and if it's product underutilization, do deep analysis and customer interviews on what does it look like to have adopted the product well? How do we drive that? How do we demonstrate that to the customer? How do we show value? Um, and start with that first churn reason. And start work your way backwards and from there. Yeah, but not trying to do it all at once. Just super focused on what's the top reason? How confident are we in that? How do we want to tackle that problem? Yeah, I love the emphasis on focus though as well because too often not as well we can maybe get carried away and see a hundred different ideas and try to run with them. But really like the biggest impact comes when you have the hyper focus and just nailing one thing right and then moving on yeah. from there. Yeah. We're a very data-driven company. So with any experiments or anything we run, it's... What are we trying to achieve? What are the success metrics? How will we track that? How will we know? And then until we get that data, we make that's how we make decisions on how we're moving forward. Yeah, and maybe that's sort of like the, the last line of uh, discussion that I'd like to go down is in terms of metrics and measurement uh, yourself as a team now, um, how do you go about measuring yourselves? Like what does uh, success look like? What are the metrics you're looking at on a day-to-day -day basis? I am looking at, um, so now from my side, I'm very much looking at who's up for renewal this month, uh, what activities have we engaged in, where, what stage are they in, uh, what's our plan for the account, um, and where are we in that plan? And so now I'm very, very focused on that side. Uh, our success team and the scaled success team and is very focused on their looking at NPS. Our success engineering team is looking at CSAT, customer satisfaction scores, they're looking at retention and they're looking at product adoption KPIs. Okay. And the retention sort of metric, because this is one of those ones that crosses over many different teams. Like, is it really like the main metric that any specific team is looking at, or is it sort of the responsibility of multiple teams within segments? It's, it is the primary responsibility of the customer success team. It is their primary metric. I mean, I should say it is our uh, secondary metric, okay. but it is their primary metric. And how sort of is that, uh, does it work within segment? Because obviously I think like with uh, churn or retention, it, it's influenced by so many different aspects and uh, changes within product can have an impact, bringing in the wrong leads from marketing or sales. Like 
how is customer success ensuring that the work that they're doing is the work that's actually moving the needle? It's a great question. I don't actually know how to answer it. Um, I can tell you that customer success and retention is absolutely a team sport. <laughs> and I think it only, we can only move the needle on it when everyone in the company feels responsible for it. And so I guess it's a little bit, everyone in the company does absolutely feel responsible for it. And it is the customer success team and my team that is accountable for it. But I think one value, it isn't, it isn't one of our core you know, values, but ownership is very important. At Sedment, you own your outcomes, you, you own your numbers, you own, it isn't other team's fault, it isn't circumstance, it isn't the leads for marketing or the product failing, it is your responsibility. And I think that really is just a core part of who we are and how we operate. And every team, it is, it's interesting, it's never even occurred to me that that's a problem because every team is so committed to retention product. We have weekly meetings with, or monthly meetings with product when we're focusing on some retention things. The product team will come out and talk to customers. They're hungry for customer feedback. The marketing team is very supportive. You know, the sales team, it's, it is very much a team sport. And so, it's this sort of line between responsible and accountable. And while we're accountable, I do really believe that everyone feels responsible. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense as well. And then just having that clear ownership as well helps sort of drive the discussion and making sure that it stays top of mind amongst the team as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's very core. It's, we talk about retention, we think about retention. It's, it's just part of all of the conversations. It's, you know, in a SaaS subscription model, you can't grow customers that you can't retain and retention is yeah. hugely important for B2B and it is a huge priority for us. And you can't build a business without it. Uh, cool. So maybe like if you want to just have one last uh, question for you then as well, Elena's, maybe what is one thing that you think is not being asked or talked about enough when it comes to churn and retention that uh, you wish I could get more attention to it. So interesting. Um, I feel like we are getting a lot of, I can tell you in my last company, how I felt about this and, and that churn and retention starts, it isn't just a post sales thing. It starts at the beginning of the sales cycle. And I think that's something we're starting to talk about more. It's something I'm seeing customer success teams and companies talk about more is customer success doesn't start and retention doesn't start when the deal is signed and it moves to a post sales team. It starts with, are you selling the right type of customer? Are you selling the right type of value? Are you selling the right package? Are you selling uh, reality versus the dream? And, and I think segment is actually um, thinks about that a lot, which I love. Um, but it's something that I think a lot about um, because setting customers up for success happens with the very first phone call with an SDR. Absolutely. Uh, we, we spoke about this in a previous episode of Steady from Close. Um, and a lot of the times as well, it comes down to like salespeople maybe not having the confidence and sort of trying to please people coming through the door with everything as opposed to really like knowing your products, knowing who the audience is and knowing who's going to get the most value so that you're making sure you're only driving sales and leads in through the door that are actually going to be long-term uh, customers that stick around. Yeah. And I, I think the customers that stick around are, they are the ones who help design your product because they are the ones who push the boundaries of it. They are the ones who are giving feedback. 
they're the ones who are discovering use cases you might not have even thought of. And so it's just when you bring in the right folks that the downstream implications are just massively positive and massively impactful because they shape who you become as a business. Yeah, I love that as well, because it's something you often like uh, overlook and uh, the signals that you get in terms of feedback and uh, like product requests, if you're not getting it from the ideal customers and the people that are going to be sitting around for the long term and you sort of bring in the wrong people, getting mixed yeah. signals, it can definitely send your product in the wrong direction as well. So mm-hmm. it impacts when everything. When the right customers who are like, hey, this is how we're using segment. I, I get made fun of a lot because I'm always on when I'm on calls with customers and I'm like, asking questions about how they're using segment and how they think about data. I was like, that's so cool. We've never thought of that. <laughs> and yeah. what an interesting thing you're doing. Like that's so awesome how you're pushing the boundaries of what we can do. And it's because it was the right customer profile and the right stakeholders and we sold them the right thing. And I think there's always going to be, it's always a, a melting pot, but it is really cool when you find a customer who pushes the boundaries of how you think about your own product. Yeah, it is awesome. I think Segment is one of those tools that allows you to do it because like you said, I mean, it is the plumbing uh, that goes underneath everything, but it's one of the things that connects everything together so that opens up new opportunities all the time. And like I've seen us internally as well, we've started like brainstorming and coming up with ideas of new cool ways that we can connect our tools as a result of using Segment. So. Yeah, it's an infinite number of use cases. I have some new books on my team who are like, every customer call is different. And I was like, yep, <laughs> that's what makes this fun. And that's what makes this challenging. And every day is different because every customer, there's just an infinite number of use cases we can power. And we certainly have best practices and we have a ton of internal thinking on use cases and how we think about that. But customers are constantly pushing that and it makes every call different and every customer different. And it makes being on the post-sale side really exciting. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And uh, this call itself has also been really exciting. It's really been interesting to learn like how Segment itself is thinking about the challenge internally. Uh, so Lena, I thank you very, very much for joining the show today. Uh, I want to definitely keep in touch as well and hear some of those interesting use cases to see if we can implement them ourselves uh, at Hotjar. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, just thank you very, very much for your time. Uh, but just for the audience as well, like, is there any way that the audience can keep up to date with you or the work or anything that you'd recommend they definitely check out before we leave? Yeah, I would definitely say check out Segment Connect if you aren't uh, a member of it already. And I'm more than happy if check out you know our website and segment university which is our online learning platform uh and then i would say if anyone wants to reach out to me it's eleanor at segment.com e-l-e-a-n-o-r very cool well thanks very much elena it's been a pleasure having you today on the show and uh, wish you best of luck now as you build out the new team and uh, start to uh, tackle retention from the sales side now and expansion thank you so much i had a blast it was great talking with you too Thanks. Cheers. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. 
Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.